Hey there, Dad. Welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode, we're revisiting last week's theme of self-compassion. I've been hard at work trying to be more compassionate with myself. I hope maybe that you have too, if my last episode inspired you. And today I wanted to follow up on that. I realized after the last episode that I did give a few options of kind of techniques that you can look into if you're interested in learning a little bit more about these concepts, but uh, I was inspired to dig a little bit deeper because I just, I found this to be such a fascinating topic and something that really has been super, super helpful for me during what has uh, once again been a pretty difficult week. So I really wanted to take this episode to, first we're going to just dive in a little bit more around some of the kind of interesting scientific pieces I found on self-compassion, especially the benefits of it. Again, I just I think that if people know just how effective some things are for helping them, they're going to be a lot more inclined to make use of them. So hopefully I can really inspire you to take some of this on and, and bring it into your life for yourself. And then in the final part of the episode, I'm going to outline some of the techniques that you can actually do. I'm going to give you some actual strategies, walk you through how to do them so that you can really make use of this and apply it. And I'll talk a little bit about as well how I've been using it and how I've kind of seen it benefit me. So here we go. The Science of Self-Compassion Part 2 on the Resilient Father Podcast. Yeah, I'm resilient, won't get caught up in my woes, I just do it for those ten tiny fingers and toes. All right, like I said, it has been a tough week, yet another week of not a ton of sleep, Lots of infants waking us up in the middle of the night. Lots of toddlers waking us up early in the morning. I am pretty exhausted. Uh, Definitely have noticed a decline in my mood and well-being overall. Definitely have had some rough mornings. Where I'm not going to lie, came pretty close to the end of my rope uh, emotionally. Especially that morning wake up when you're nice and deeply asleep and you have to force yourself awake to go and engage in parenting. That is that is tough. That is tough to deal with, I found. I'm going to be working on that more in the future. But I bring it up because even though that experience was really difficult, I've kept in mind self-compassion throughout the entire experience, and I really feel like it has helped me. I wouldn't say it necessarily has minimized the suffering in and of itself. It still is very unpleasant having to go through a period of sleep deprivation and experience the emotions that come with it. But where I will say that I think self-compassion really has helped me quite a bit in this situation is in the context of what some people would call secondary suffering. When you go through something difficult that makes you experience suffering to some degree, that in and of itself is unpleasant. But on top of that, a lot of times people experience what they call secondary suffering, suffering on top of their existing suffering. They also have a way of beating themselves up or exacerbating the suffering by thinking things in their head that make it worse. So they focus on just how much pain they're actually in. They tell themselves how awful it is that they're going through this. And in doing so, you almost put a magnifying glass on the problem. It's almost like throwing gasoline on the fire, where now not only are you suffering because you're going through something incredibly challenging, 
but you're amplifying that suffering by telling yourself a lot of awful things. This can take a lot of different forms. People will sometimes beat themselves up, be hard on themselves for failing in a particular aspect. Or like I said before, they'll just magnify and hyper-focus on how difficult the problem is that they're going through, and in doing so, just make themselves feel so much worse about it. One of the most interesting things about self-compassion is it seems to have the power to minimize secondary suffering. People who are higher in levels of self-compassion uh, experience benefits like less extreme emotional reactions in the face of stress, less overall negative emotions, they're more accepting of their thoughts, and they have a greater tendency to put their problems into perspective while at the same time acknowledging their own responsibility in addressing the problems that they experience. Self-compassion helps people deal with marital problems, relational problems. Self-compassionate people tend to be more optimistic. They're more curious. They have a greater tendency to explore things, take personal initiative, have more emotional intelligence. As I mentioned in the last episode, it actually enhances motivation. Many people try to beat themselves up or criticize themselves in order to make themselves feel more motivated. And really one of the best things you can do to make yourself feel more motivated is to just be kind to yourself about it. Self-compassionate people are less likely to display what they call maladaptive perfectionism. They're less likely to be hard on themselves and require themselves to be perfect. They're more likely to try again when they fail. They're more likely to not fear failure and pursue in the face of failure the things that they want. Being kind to yourself for your past failures, your weaknesses, and the things that you've done that you're not proud of actually makes people more motivated to change for the better, try harder, and learn to avoid their past mistakes. Being self-compassionate can help you stick to health-related behaviors. If you're trying to follow a diet, if you're trying to follow an exercise program, if you're trying to learn to meditate and stick with it, being kind to yourself about that can help. In terms of your physiology, practicing self-compassion actually has been shown to deactivate the threat system, our fight-or-flight system, as we've discussed before, how that significantly impacts our levels of stress and our emotions. And inversely, self-compassion activates what's called the caregiving system, areas in the brain that are associated with attachment, uh, feelings of security, safety, and connection with others. And really, it represents a way of soothing, a way of self soothing. You know, people, when they're in distress, a natural human response is to want to go and comfort someone else. And one of the ways that we learn to regulate ourselves is by being comforted from other people. And one of the best ways to get emotionally regulated if you are experiencing a lot of distress is to receive comfort from another person. And, you know, that's not always available to us. Sometimes our struggles are, are personally our own or we're in a position where we can't necessarily go and get comfort immediately. And it's okay to give that to yourself. You're allowed to be kind to yourself. And not only that, but it's only going to help you. Being nice to yourself can only really benefit you as far as I can tell. There really is no 
downside. And if you're afraid of, you know, emotional weakness, if you're someone who grew up with ideas that showing emotion or feeling emotion is weak, what I can tell you is that practicing this skill will only make your emotions and your ability to cope with emotions stronger. So now that I've got you sufficiently stoked to learn more about how you can become more self-compassionate, let's jump into some of the techniques that you can actually use to benefit yourself in this context. Number one, take a moment to think about how you treat yourself versus how you treat a valued loved one in your life. Would you say that you treat yourself less kindly than them? I would say most likely you do. Most people are pretty hard on themselves and a lot harder on themselves than they would be to somebody else, and especially to somebody else that they care about. Do you really deserve less love and compassion than the people that you love? Something to think about. Could you try and treat yourself with the same level of love and compassion that you treat people that you care about? For some people, this is genuinely an idea that's extremely difficult to give consideration to. And if you're one of those people who finds it uncomfortable thinking that you deserve the same level of love as other people, probably this is a really great skill for you to work on. And it's going to take time to accept it, but it's totally worth it. Two, recognize that there is a lot of suffering in life. Suffering is a natural part of life. Even in times when you're going through things that are good, there will inevitably be moments where you suffer. And we're not holding that attitude because we're nihilists and we're looking at life thinking, what's the point? Because it's all just suffering. Instead, we're just looking to acknowledge the fact that this is something that potentially we can expect. And it's something that a lot of other people go through. And so when it happens to you, it's much more helpful to just acknowledge this is something hard that I'm going through. This is suffering that I'm going through. I should be kind to myself in the process. Three, try giving yourself a comforting hand. One of the most helpful things you can do for someone who's struggling, one of the most sort of kind human ways to connect is simply to walk up and give someone a comforting touch. And so you can think about it now. Take a moment to try just placing your hand, say, on your shoulder on your leg, find a spot that feels like something that you would do for someone else if you were trying to give them sort of a comforting squeeze on the hand or squeeze on the shoulder, and just allow yourself to have that for a moment. Try it. Give yourself that little brief moment of comfort and see how it feels. Three, try to find your inner compassionate voice. Everybody is very familiar with the inner critic. Everybody has moments where they talk to themselves and criticize themselves, and a lot of times it's automatic. You'll do something and all of a sudden you find yourself sort of being critical of yourself very quickly and very, very easily. And this is something that comes so naturally to us. But interestingly, according to the psychologists who study self-compassion training, there is an inverse to the inner critic, which is the inner compassionate voice. And just like 
you know, self-criticisms can spontaneously arise when you're going about your day and something happens. There apparently are actually often also similar moments where positive and reaffirming things can pop up into your consciousness throughout the day. But it's just that people don't really cultivate those and don't really have much of an awareness of them, whereas they have a much greater awareness uh, and acceptance of their critical inner critic voice that they have. So there is a part of you that loves yourself, wants to take care of you, wants you not to suffer. I mean, that's really what, at least in part, kind of keeps us all going to an extent, I think. And so just begin to see if you can allow that part of yourself to come forward. See if you can pay attention to, you know, is there a part of you that wants good things for you, that has positive things to say to you? Can you potentially notice positive thoughts popping up in your head throughout the day? Technique number four is a three-parter called Soften, Allow, Soothe. In this technique, you notice yourself suffering. You catch yourself having difficult emotions. You catch yourself going through something extremely difficult. And take a moment to pause. And especially take a moment to pay attention to your body. Many times when people have an emotional reaction, there's a subsequent reaction in your body that follows. Physical tension, shaking, crying is a more extreme version of this, but often people will feel some kind of, you know, energy or disturbance or physical tension or heat, some kind of sensation somewhere in their body. So if you think about the last time you were really upset about something, where do you end up feeling that? Where does your body react? That's the kind of thing that you want to pay attention to. Once you've noticed that feeling and where it is, take a moment to just try to allow it to soften a little bit. You're not trying to get rid of it. You're not trying to make it go away, but you're just giving it almost like a muscle, a chance to just briefly relax just a little bit. Next step in this is called allow. And I think it's pretty straightforward. You just allow the feeling to be there. A lot of times people are so intent on fighting their suffering, fighting the things that they're dealing with and their difficulties, and that just kind of honestly adds more fuel to them, gives them more strength a lot of the time. So once you've allowed the emotion to just soften a small amount, you know, you take a few deep breaths, you take a second to relax, then acknowledge that it's there. Point out to yourself, this is what I'm feeling, and I notice myself experiencing this, and just allow it to be there. Don't try to control it. Don't try to do anything with it. Just let it be. And then finally, soothing. This is sort of a culmination of the last things that we've talked about where you want to acknowledge that suffering is difficult and you're going through it and find a compassionate voice to speak to yourself in in a way that you would seek to comfort somebody that you genuinely care about. Try to comfort yourself and soothe yourself. You know, you don't have to find the perfect thing to say, but even just saying, you know, hey, this is really hard and, you know, I'm here for myself. It doesn't have to be a lot and a little bit goes a long way. And this is a practice. You're going to take some time. You're going to need to find a way to make this resonate for you. If it feels artificial and you, and you feel like you really struggle to find the right compassionate thing to say to yourself... Maybe it's just because you're not really doing it in a genuine way. Is there a way you can really genuinely offer yourself some emotional support? 
Now, like I was saying before, I've been using these techniques myself this week, and I can't say that it overtly alleviated the difficulties and the suffering that I was experiencing. But I can say that it really did help, as I said before, with the secondary suffering. I really worked to notice myself going into these states and notice myself being in a state of suffering. And I really tried to just take time to be kind and compassionate to myself and really come to myself in a way like I was comforting a person that I really loved and cared about. And I still felt sad. I still felt a lot of the emotions that I was going through. And in some ways, the the emotions I felt were almost a little bit stronger, but they almost went through me better. I was able to just feel more at ease more quickly. I was able to kind of almost, I would say, let it flow through me. So instead of these these things getting stuck and these feelings being trapped inside me and accumulating throughout the day, it was like I went through a more intense period of emotional reaction when I practiced this. But in the end, it allowed me to let things go much more quickly and effectively and then continue going on and, and functioning at a decently high level throughout my day. And it felt good. It felt so much better than thinking about how awful it was or being hard on myself for the perceived shortcomings that I had. So much better. Number five and six, I'm going to lump in together into one category, which is meditation. There's some really interesting types of meditation that come from the school of Buddhism that have some really powerful effects on self-compassion and have drawn a lot of interest from psychologists because they really seem to actually work to help promote people's mental health. And there's a a plethora of research on these things and just how powerful and, and beneficial they can be for people. One is very, very well known. I think you'll probably be familiar with the title. It's called Mindfulness. You can learn mindfulness pretty much anywhere these days. There are a million different opportunities to give it a shot. I'm going to do another episode on this in the near future that goes into much more detail and and gives you a chance to practice it if you're interested. So, you know, I won't go into too much of that now. The other meditation that I will want to go into a little bit more detail on today is called loving kindness meditation. Right off the bat, it does sound... I don't want to say a bit ridiculous, but I think people who weren't inclined towards this type of information that I'm sharing might hear words like that and think, what? But you know me, I'm a big fan of practical, tangible skills, and loving kindness is honestly yet another one of those. At its core, loving kindness meditation is a very simple, very straightforward meditation practice that you can learn to do very, very quickly. And it's honestly as simple as it sounds. You literally sit there and attempt to cultivate feelings of love and feelings of kindness. And in doing so, once again, you build resilience. Basically for all the same reasons and through all the same mechanisms that I've, I've previously mentioned and discussed. Personally, I use this technique, especially with my firstborn son, because I've talked about this before. I actually struggled a little bit to bond with him when we first met. I didn't have that immediate, deep sense of love and attachment that a lot of people talk about when they talk about first meeting their child. And so some of the more difficult aspects of having a a young baby were especially challenging for me because of that. 
And so one of the things that I would do when I was holding my son at night, feeding him a bottle, comforting him, singing to him, is I would sit down and I would practice this loving kindness meditation. And literally what you do is you just offer well wishes of love and kindness to um, various different people. So literally you just imagine a person in front of you. In this case, I would start with my son and I would say, you would say positive things to them. So you say things like, may you be loved. May you be peaceful. May you be kind. May you be joyful. You can add others to it, but that's the basic gist. Then you take that same love, the easy love that it is to give to your child, and you turn it on yourself. So you look at yourself and you say, may I be loved. May I be joyful. May I be peaceful. May I be kind. And whatever other things you want to add. Then you do it for a loved one, a wife, a relative, a sibling. May you be kind. May you be loved. May you be joyful. May you be peaceful. Then it gets a little more challenging. Now you direct it towards somebody you don't know or even really care about that much. The mailman, the person packing your groceries at the grocery store, could be anybody, but it has to be someone you don't really have any feelings for one way or the other. And you repeat the mantra again, imagining towards them. Then it gets even more difficult. Then you do it for somebody that you really has been bothering you, or maybe that you don't like. And you try to acknowledge that even if this person is annoying you or difficult, every human being deserves love and kindness and wants to have a good life. And you share those mantras with that person as you imagine them. And then finally, you do the whole entire world. You think about everybody and everything around you, and you offer those well wishes one last time. And that's it. Literally, that's it. Super, super simple. And again, almost seems a little too easy. But if you really genuinely try this, if you really genuinely put the effort into attempting to feel a sense of love and kindness when you speak these mantras and direct these positive sort of, I'm going to use the word energy, um, at these imagined people, the benefits are are very impressive, very profound. Again, there's, there's a ton of research out there that supports just how effective loving kindness meditation is for enhancing our emotional and mental well-being. And so I would really strongly encourage you to give this a try. Like I said, it feels really, really good doing it well holding your child because it makes it so easy to connect to that feeling of love. And for me, that was one of the first times that I really deeply felt a sense of love and connection to my son. And it was a really, really emotional, powerful experience for me. And I think learning to cultivate these kinds of feelings and experiences, they build resilience because when you feel good, when you feel safe, when you feel cared for and you feel content, that's when people thrive and that's when people operate at their best. And I think the scientific research really supports that. So the title of this episode is Don't Hate on Yourself, Dad. And I really want to emphasize that. Please, please don't hate on yourself. It's not a viable way to make yourself a better person. In some ways, it can be effective, but I think self-compassion is equally, if not far more effective, and it comes with a massive host of resilience-building benefits, which, if you're listening to this podcast, you must be interested in trying out.
So there you have it. Loving kindness, self-compassion, be kind to yourself, and I think you will be very pleasantly surprised as to what kind of awesome effects that's going to have. As always, feel free to check me out on social media, YouTube, Instagram, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to chat, ask me something specific, suggest a idea for an episode of the show, email me at theresilientfather at gmail.com, theresilientfather at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and take care of yourself, Dad. You got a friend in you. You got a friend in you. When the road looks Rough ahead and you're miles and miles from a nice warm bed You just remember what your old pal said Oh, you got a friend in you You got a friend in you Some of the folks might be A little bit smarter than you are Big and strong too But none of them will ever love you the way you do Just you and you, boy And as the years go by Your friendship will never die You're gonna see it's your destiny You got a friend in thee You got a friend in thee You got a friend in thee